some relaxation in. Whatever you did, got outside, whatever you did. Hope it was a good weekend. We had a good weekend around these parts. Tom joining us remotely tonight. Disco here in studio. Glad to be with you guys as well. Looking Taylor to- won album of the year. <laughs> of course she did. Of course she did. Did you watch? No. <laughs> the only thing I've seen, uh, other than the clip of Big Mike getting arrested, or uh, Killer Mike, excuse me, uh, was the the Luke Combs and Tracy Chapman performance, which was good. I've seen clips of that just on social media, and and that was pretty cool. But I had no desire to watch it. I'm sure most of you guys in the audience didn't. But but if you did, that's fine, too. That's what's great about America. You can choose to spend those two, three hours however you want. I did actually watch. I, I gripe and pick on it, but I did actually watch. I was working while I was doing it, but I, I watched the, the Pro Bowl um like football like football game and then some of the challenges and whatnot a lot of scoring in that yeah your boy Tariq Hill man right off the bat <laughs> Speedy Gonzalez down the field it looked like they had fun I, I've come around on it a little bit I still like old school more but the game means nothing so it looks like they're having fun but they get to celebrate I, I also like that their helmets were off you get to see their faces and more and all you know so it was yeah. good it was a nice little change yeah for sure no, yeah, I, the Pro Bowl to me is just a way to injure yourself. And it means nothing. It's just it's it's a dumb way for your career to end. So, you know, the 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 whole concept uh, with the All-Star weekend or whatever you want to call it with the different games reminds me of when I was a kid and it used to have uh, Battle of the Network Stars. I don't know if you got you guys are probably too young to remember that, but they would have cast the cast from different TV shows, the different you know ABC, NBC, and CBS uh, participate in different athletic events. So okay. you would have like you know the cast from Happy Days and a tug of war with the like some cast members from Mash. Yes, I love it. Okay, no, I, I somehow didn't see that. Um... Uh, but I know what you're talking about. I don't think I've seen many episodes, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, it is. I mean, the big thing is, is it's uh, as a former athlete looking at it and knowing what these guys get paid and what their bodies are. Their bodies are their tool. I mean, I, I, I do look at it like, man, don't get hurt because you can blow a knee out whether you're playing flag football or, or whether you're playing on Sundays. But it seemed like they had a good time. So whatever. I I. I dropped my hatred for it and watched it because there was nothing else on it, which I guess is the only reason I really watched it. But I digress. Let's get into the news cruise, folks. So we got we to gotta start with this so-called border bill, which, guys, to be very clear, this bill is not about the border at all. I think you guys are smart enough to know that. Most legislation in D.C. is not actually what it's about, what it's it's labeled or called. Look at the Inflation Reduction Act. You can look at damn near anything, particularly in the last few years, but really forever and a day. That's That's been the way things go there. But I'm going to read this. This is from Insider Paper, and then we'll discuss it. U.S. Senators on Sunday released the text of a much-anticipated deal that would unlock billions in new aid for Ukraine and Israel while tightening U.S. border laws. This is just an article. This is not my take. But the, house, the top House Republicans quickly vowed to shoot it down. 
National Security Supplemental provides for $118.3 billion in total in terms of the overall funding, which includes $60 billion. $60 billion with a B dollars to support war-torn Ukraine, matching the White House's request. $14.1 billion for Israel. And there's $20.2 billion for U.S. border security and a myriad of other immigration policy changes agreed to by Democratic and Republican Negotiators most significantly would give President Joe Biden the power to reject asylum seekers if illegal border crossings reach over 5,000 per week, a figure breached multiple times, by the way, in recent months. Biden immediately would immediately use this authority, which would mean people coming across the border are generally ineligible for asylum if crossings were at current levels, a White House official told reporters late on Sunday. It's not clear that the 370-page bill has the 60 backers it will need to advance the first procedural vote in the Senate. And and then what happens if it does get past it? We, we already know it's, you know, Mike Johnson, the, the, the America First folks there have said that this thing is dead on arrival. But <clears throat> fun fact, too, someone pointed this out. The U.S. Marine Corps budget this past calendar year, this past fiscal year, excuse me, was $53.8 billion. So Ukraine would be getting more than our u.s marine corps but this bill like just off the top as sean parnell my good buddy who who just finished up his show in rumble you need to make sure you're checking that out if you if you don't already he said this is an amnesty bill it's an open borders bill it's an abomination and affront to the american people and he's 100 percent right and here's my take before we even get to the bill itself for me i know the house republicans are saying it's dead on arrival for me it's dead on arrival for including all these issues. Stop, I always talk about this, stop shoving other shit into bills. And don't give me that, that's just how we do things in DC answer, that's that's BS, we all know that's BS. Somebody fix it, somebody draft a single issue bill on something meaningful, force it through, do whatever you've got to and force people to vote for it. So all these bills that have all these different things in there are dead without, you can't convince me that it's a good thing no matter what. Because you're always getting something bad with, with, even if there is something good, you're always getting something, usually several somethings that are bad. But then beyond the, the border insanity in it, you have foreign entities, one of which representing an issue or a conflict with Ukraine and Russia, that we should just let die. But that particular entity, Ukraine, getting way more money than us. Forget the fact that I just told you about that Ukraine would get more than than the U.S. Marine Corps did in the the 2023 fiscal year. Just in this bill alone, Ukraine's getting 60 billion, the U.S., 20 billion. Are you serious? That's that's three times more than we are willing to put forward, and, and, and and they don't care. They don't care that it's obvious that it's in the bill that most people probably aren't going to read because, again, 370 pages is not as long as some of them have been granted, but it's still ridiculous. But 370 pages, and in that, these people are saying, just, just again, just on the surface level, just looking at the dollar figures, this issue in Ukraine is three times more important than the United States' sovereignty and our border. That is so ridiculous it is so ridiculous to to even think about and then you talk about the well if it crosses five thousand people a week 
I'm going to step in and do this. I'm going to say, guys, there's nothing positive about this bill whatsoever. And again, I think that every bill that has multiple things tucked in there should be thrown out and it should be dead on arrival, whether it's the House or the Senate. What's this bill on? And if you keep talking after you say the first thing, my answer is no. I'm a, I'm a hard no. Tom. Yeah, I'm a hard no too. I mean, basically, what Langford's bill does, and let's not let's uh, let's not you know beat around the bush. James Langford, who I'm referring to now as the Ginger Sandusky, it needs to be put in the dustbin of history. His political career needs to be over. A message needs to be sent to every Republican politician in D.C. This is what happened. This is what's going to happen to you if you go along with this this uniparty belief that we should have open borders. Basically, what this whole bill is, it codifies open borders because yes, it does say five thousand, then it's closed, but it also gives per week, per week. Yeah. But it also gives the president of the United States the ability through emergency powers to keep it open. So of course he's going to keep it open. That, that's all this is doing is saying, oh, well, we voted on this and Republicans were on board for open borders. So I don't understand why, you know, everybody's mad at this. And back to your point about all this money, the 60 billion going to uh, going to Ukraine and the Marine Corps getting 50 billion or 53 billion as, as an operating budget for the year is also ridiculous. And then you have Mitch McConnell who is the permanent you know, representative and the minority leader in the Senate who presides over one of the poorest states in the country, and his poor constituents have to see their hard-earned money going to a foreign country. So it's bitches like you know, Ginger Sandusky and, and the turtle that need to be taught a lesson somehow. And I don't know how that lesson is ever going to be made unless Republicans, independents, and even some people on the center left just say, look, we, we got to get rid of these fuckers or else nothing will ever change. Yeah. Well, and, and we, we both know, sadly, that's not going to happen. I, I just, I just, I mean, I, if, and I don't even know that this would work because you need more people to do it. And that's the problem we face in D.C. all the time. It doesn't matter. This, this particular legislation is obviously a dumpster fire. We all get that. It, it's, it's America last policy through and through. But if you could get people to just take that tact, that take that tact of, hey, you know, everyone calls their representatives. They, they'll pretend that they care. They don't really. But tell them you will vote no on every bill that is a multifaceted, multi-front, multi-issue bill and and try and and try and send that message. Again, I know it that's that's a simple simple approach and it's which means it's too simple and it wouldn't work because it would actually change things and it would actually bring about some meaningful positive change for our country. Maybe you could start to get things back on track, but they won't even do that. And it just we're giving in this one. I love that Langford's trying to defend it too. Republican out of Oklahoma trying to defend it, but you're giving Biden and the left literally everything they want in terms of the border and in terms of their fun little project and money laundering scheme over in Ukraine. And I just, there's nothing in there. So I, 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 I just, 
That's how the Republicans negotiate, man. Yeah. <laughs> they say, oh, you know what? We're going to come together and bipartisan le legislation. And all that means is we're going to join on. Uh, we're going to get on board with whatever the Democrats want to do and then try and, and you know, paint this in a picture that is palpable for every other Republican in the U.S., the thing that you know that you had said earlier that you know, quoting Mike Johnson, saying this thing's dead on arrival, so that means that there are enough votes in the Senate to pass it, which should you know let you know where the Republicans on the Senate side where they lay with everything and you know where their priorities are. Yeah, no, this tells you so much because uh, exactly it should be okay <clears throat> for shits and gigs. Let's say. Langford is is trying to do something that in his view is 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 right, which is really, which basically means he's getting something that he wants because this obviously is a trash bill. So he's but let's take him out of the equation for a second, and and then you've got all of the other ones that are in there. You you you've got what fit? We got fifty there, and then Kamala's a tiebreaker, so forty nine. 49 other people who aren't just going to say hell no to this. Yeah, it, it, it tells us a lot about everyone who's in there because there's plenty of them. Obviously, McConnell is one of them. Obviously, several of them. McConnell and Schumer are talking about we worked really hard on this. Okay. Uh, but it tells you a lot because this this bill, without a shadow of a doubt, puts Americans last. Puts not just Americans, but our country, our infrastructure, our national security, all of that. I, 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 I don't get for the life of me how anyone in their right mind, even if they agree with this behind the scenes because they know that it's going to help them and enrich them and it's going to give them an opportunity to do whatever XYZ promise was, was made to them, I don't see how you in public say, yeah, I support this, and not only support it, but here's my justification as to why I support it. They insult you then with their with their flowery language about how, no, you don't get it. Here's how it's going to help. No, no, no. We all do get it. We get it actually very well. And this thing is a monstrosity. Right. And Nancy Pelosi summed it up the best when she was talking about Obamacare, where she said, you have to pass it first to see what's in it. Yeah. And that's the way that our legislation works. You know, I'm still, you know, old enough or young enough to remember when bills would start in, in committee and then after they went through the committee, they would be debated on the floor where you got to see a breakdown of the different sections of the bill. And a lot of them, you know, of course, they still had their pork and everything else in them, but they weren't these giant monstrosities that were written somewhere else. And they just kind of casually, you know, put it in a, into a committee to let them know, you know, what the highlights are and then pushed on for a vote. So until we get back to, you know, what we all learned from Schoolhouse Rock on how a bill becomes a law, it, it just it, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. Because you have the uniparty that's taken over and they just they create these monstrosities uh, of legislation that are that are created by special interest groups and other folks in you know permanent Washington and said, okay, this is this is why it's good for us and this is why it screws the regular run-of-the-mill American people, and then let's have a vote on it. Yeah. That would be nice. That'd be <laughs> nice. I, I, 
Uh, I, I'm glad to hear that it would seem that it's dead on arrival in the House if it gets to the Senate. Again, damning if it, if it does get through the Senate and comes down to the House or over to the House, however you want to say that. But but the fact that there are some people in the House who would vote for it, and some's a, some's a low figure. It, it would be a lot of our majority in the House who would support this and and come up with their justification as to why. That that just, man, it's guys, it's so broken. It is so broken. The only There's a lot of things you can do, starting with getting rid of all these jokers, but the only thing you can do in the near term, which will not happen because of all these jokers, are single-issue bills and term limits. I just I can't be convinced of otherwise, and until they agree to do that, nothing's going to change, and they'll never agree to do that because it's never been about us, we the people. It's never been about our country. It's been about them enriching themselves, more power, their 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 retirement, their, their post-Congress gig, all of those things, and it's just, it's so disappointing. So disappointing. Exactly. Foster says, founders never envisioned career politicians. This is not even remotely how our government's supposed to work. In fact, we've got a government right now that is exactly what our founding fathers warned us against. And these people still have the gall to stand up there on the hill and tell you that we have your best interest at heart and this is what is best for you. And we're going to stick to the laws of this country. No, we're not. We're actually banning. We're going to stick to the Constitution. You clearly haven't read it. And we're going to... I can't take any more. Can't take any more. Let's let's hope that this goes away this week. But rest assured, folks, just because it does doesn't mean that it won't come back with a different name, maybe some slightly modified figures. They will get what they want on the left. You know that they will. They always do because they've got their friends who are so-called Republicans, same part of the same uniparty, who will do their bidding for them, and, and they will get what they want. And it's tragic, absolutely tragic. All right, let's move on just quickly to Iran. We've um, you you saw this probably over the weekend. We uh, the White House official saying we've only just begun. What you saw last night and what you're going to see again was not insignificant. When you hit 85 targets over 30 minutes, that sends a strong signal about the capability that we have. There are other things we're going to do. Some you will see and some you won't see. And I think we had one other update, right? Yeah, there we go. U.S. strikes six Houthi targets in Yemen. Retaliatory airstrikes have begun in Syria. Uh, so that was kind of the the beginning. A lot of that happened, right? We saw bombers taking off going into the weekend. Then we heard about a lot of strikes. There's limited reporting on some of it, but you've got that. And allegedly, within those targets, were not just proxy groups in Iraq and Syria. So the White House has, has told us they're going after IRGC Quds Force targets too, which... If they're not on Iranian soil, yes, that's better. But is that still a strike on the Iranian regime directly? Yes, it absolutely is. You've also got news uh, on the, the cusp of all of this that Iran is, is starting a new reactor. I forget which part of the country, but they're starting a new one. They're close on the other. We've told you that they're really, really close on the other in, in terms of having what they need. If they were to ramp it up, it would be a month or less where they could get what they want to, to wreak havoc throughout the region. So... We'll see where these continue to go. We keep hearing these promises. More things are going to happen. That's not the end. We haven't heard of anything super significant coming from it. And and to be honest, I think that there's probably some good in that because we don't want this thing to escalate. But I can tell you if they go after IRGC installations, personnel, that will be an escalation without a shadow of a doubt. And if you're if you're in, in the mindset of Iran, who obviously we hate, they're the largest state sponsor of terror in the world, 
they're horrible people, their government that is, you understand why they would con continue to push back if, if that happened and you went after their government, military, and special operations personnel. You know, anytime that the military says that they've hit such targets or whatever, just remember, this is the same group of dumb fucks that tried to to get us to believe that they killed ISIS-K when they smoked seven children as a retaliation against the uh, service members who were killed outside uh, Karzai Airport. So... Whatever they say, I always take with a grain of salt. And when you talk, when you, you mentioned the 85 targets, that's true. There are 85 targets, but some of these targets, you know, I'm, I've been reading that there were actually six targets that got hit multiple times. So if you had like an airfield, if you had like five strikes or, you know, 10 strikes on the runway, one on the control, those were all counting as strikes. So I don't think it was 85 individual targets some of these targets had had multiple strikes to them, and that's that's what they're counting. Yeah. So well, as we it, it, <laughs> as we said from the get go with this response was, look, they're going to say they've done all sorts of stuff. Don't worry, we got them. But you, but you, the problem is, is you have no credibility left. I'd like to believe they hit some good targets and took out some good installations and personnel responsible for all the stuff, not just the attack that killed three Americans, but all the stuff that's happening there. But I don't, I don't, I don't trust you guys. I don't trust you guys because we've seen how you've operated, particularly in the last three years here, and how it's all just smoke and mirrors. It's all just lies. And then you say, and the, the best example is exactly what Tom referred to, when those thirteen service members were killed, and then they launched a pred strike, and killed innocent civilians and children. But at first, told everyone, the media did their bidding and told everyone as well. Don't worry, we got him. Who's him? You mean, <clears throat> you mean this innocent family over here and children? Uh, you got no one. You did nothing other than fire a rocket, hope for the best, kill some people and be like, ah, whatever. They won't know. American citizens won't find out. Just say we got them and call it a victory. Yeah, between that, between our domestic stuff that we've got going on here with the FBI and other components of DOJ, we've just got a big problem. And, and, and sadly, there's not a whole lot that they could say at this point that would garner the, the, the trust and, and the kind of response they want from most of the American people, or at least most of the ones who are paying attention. No, not at all. They've totally betrayed the, our trust. COVID, COVID w w was the turning point in any of us trusting anyone in the government ever again. And then after COVID, it was, it was the, the, the botched uh, you know, uh, retreat from Afghanistan. So everything that this administration has done and what permanent Washington has done for the past three years has caused me to think that whatever they're saying is an absolute lie. And people like Dan Crenshaw, who I used to have a lot of respect for, whatever he says, I think is an out and out lie. I don't trust him as far as, you know, well, I was going to say throne, but, uh, you know, I, I don't trust him at all. I have view him to be part of the system. I view him as somebody who's trying to gain generational wealth for himself and his family so they'll be taken care of once, you know, once we get in, enter this new, new phase of the collapse of the country and you'll have the haves and the have-nots. He's just making sure that he's going to go along to get along. He's going to be on the team. He's going to, you know, push every agenda that they have. 
in the hopes that when everything does collapse, he's got enough for himself. And I think there are a lot of other politicians like him who are looking at their exit strategy for when everything collapses here. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Um, let's move on to Tucker. I'd like to say we're moving on to something. Well, I mean, there's there's some there's some good in this, right? So lots of news broke over the weekend. Tucker went to Moscow. Tucker and his team, they were spotted in the airport and then went to the Kremlin. You can see here's some footage of them leaving his hotel and his crew uh, going to the Kremlin. There was footage after he left, purportedly after a, a one-hour sit-down or meeting slash interview with Vladimir Putin. But remember, this was going to happen before. This was something that was going to happen back in the day, and then it was stopped when Tucker found out that NSA allegedly found out about it and asked him about it. And and this, obviously, there's been all sorts of conversation about Putin, and the left has been pushing this, this false narrative that conservatives are pro-Russia and pro-Putin, all of this, which is obviously misguided and has never been accurate, what people have been saying. Are there some? Sure. There's, there's broken people everywhere who make bad decisions, don't really understand the situation around them. But it's good to know how the other side is thinking, right? It's You can't just take it from CNN or Rachel Maddow over on MSNBC. You can't just take their word for it. Obviously, their credibility is long gone, speaking of credibility. But... This was going to happen before, and fast forward to this weekend, it's happening again. By the way, Tucker's been killing it, out, out, out doing his old network and other networks combined with his videos out on his own. He's doing an absolute bang-up job. But he's going there to get a different perspective, to get the perspective, and he is. You can like him, dislike him. I know most of you here like him. But the dude is a hell of a journalist, and and he's got a hell of a team. Who obviously that that plays into it too in terms of research and and everything that he puts out there. But why wouldn't you want that approach? And by the way, if this is in fact an interview, which I have no reason to believe it's not, when it comes out, it is going to break the damn internet, <laughs> and it's going to be amazing to see. Those numbers are going to be through the freaking roof. <laughs> And, and the left is losing their mind about it. And you know why they are. You know why the administration, the mainstream media, all their proxies all over the world, whether it's in so-called journalism, whether it's in, it doesn't matter, pick an issue, they're bought and paid for. They're flipping out because the one thing that they hate more than anything is the truth. They hate the truth. They can't let you be free and consume true, legitimate news and or if it's not news they can't let you have someone else's opinion or views because it could then skew your thoughts and you could start thinking oh we don't want people thinking on their own so this this is a huge threat to them and i love seeing it happen and i can't wait to see this particular interview not just because of the metrics that are going to come from it but because of what's actually going to be in it in terms of substance i think it's going to be fascinating and, and i applaud the hell out of tucker and his team for going over there in the face of others here saying no you can't do that there, there's literally people saying should we not let him come back are you kidding over, over uh, should we not let a free american who's who's done nothing wrong other than maybe hurt your feelings not come back into the country because he's interviewing a world leader that's what journalists used to do yeah, it's, it's like the interview of the century you know no, no one no one in america could get this to happen he did yeah 
How yeah, well, it's lack of curiosity on journalists in the United States because they're all corporate media, and they're all follow. Everyone's following the script, man. There's a script right now. We have a script for everything. We have a script for sports. We've got a script for politics. We've got a script. Everything that we see now is being scripted, and we're being spoon fed everything. And journalists who used to be the gatekeepers and arbiters of truth maybe uh are, are part of that script you know you, you look at this whole thing with with uh taylor swift and travis kelsey now you see all these sports pundits coming out and saying well you know taylor it's not a big deal you know i don't know why people are making it such a big deal and this and that you know, and it's not a big deal, but it's worth talking about. What you know, when you infuse pop culture and and, and sports, you know, what's the what's the big gain? I mean, these are questions that should be asked. You know, is this you know trying to increase the brand? You know, is the NFL, um, you know, looking at this to to widen their their fan base? You know, these are all legitimate questions that should be asked instead of just brushed aside. But with Tucker Carlson. Journalists used to want to go and interview people who were the story makers. Right. And because they wanted to get the interview that nobody else could get. Now, when you're following the script, nobody is going to wants to get Putin because they don't want his side of the story for the script. Nobody gave a shit that, you know, John Miller from CNN We've all seen that clip where he's talking about what's going on in New York and in Florida. In Florida, you go to jail, and all the CNN anchors were like, oh, you go to jail in Florida. Well, John Miller interviewed Osama bin Laden. He was the first Western journalist, or the last Western journalist, to interview him. And nobody called for John Miller to be refused entrance back into the United States. Right. So th this is just this goes along with what I was saying. Everything is scripted, and Tucker isn't a part of the script because he's not following it. Because there isn't a part written for him. the The script writers would would love it if he bought in because they would definitely write him in somewhere and insert him. And, and let's face it, man, if you have an audience and you want to be a part of the script, the, the writers and the producers will put you in and you'll be totally fine. You know, your Stephen A. Smith's, your Colin Cowherd's, you know, everybody, you know, your Kate and Caitlin Collins, your Morning Joe, The View, they're all set, man, because they, they've been cast, they've signed their contracts, and they're playing their part in, in this big movie that we're seeing right now. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, this is Sports Business Journal. They're saying that the <laughs> the 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 so, like the digital media value of the Chiefs has r risen 349 percent since Taylor, you know, started dating Travis, and that they're estimating somewhere 316 million dollars in digital earned media value that has generated from that. So, yeah, hey, you know what? Get them together. Let's have them talk. Let's show them whatever they want. Push them on social media. And you don't have to push it much because the Swifties and the Chiefs are all going to start talking, and it's just going to keep going. <laughs> it's just going to keep going. And it's just from the two of them dating. 
Right. And also, too, I mean, what we're looking at is we're looking over the course of the last, you know, 10, 15 years, we're looking at the feminization of American males. Testosterone is dropping and we see this push for the matriarchy, you know, to be put front and center in the United States. So the Taylor Swift coming along, playing this part in the script, she's perpetuating the 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 far reaching the the far the the reach of the matriarchy by bringing more female eyeballs into what was normally a male dominated event with male with male spectators dominating you know who who were the who were the audience for it and so now i mean that might not be the case i think it's the case you know but those questions are you know are worth asking and if yeah. you start asking those questions, you're called a misogynist. You're, you're called, you know, all sorts of names just for bringing up those questions, which I think are really legitimate questions. Because, you know, if we're pushing the matriarchy like we are in the United States, so what does that mean for the course of football? Does that mean that, you know, does it go the way of the NBA where they, they want to make the they want to broaden their product and the characters that they have in their script for for their movie that they're producing aren't as good as the ones from the 90s so they're changing all the rules to make these players seem better than they were the you know than the Michael Jordans and the Larry Birds and the Magic Johnsons and the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's I think those are all questions that need to be asked and you do a disservice by just joining the script and not asking those questions well, no, you're right. There, there is a total. You had said it earlier. There's a total lack of journalistic curiosity everywhere. It's whether it's sports, whether it's news and politics, geopolitics, global news. You name it. It's, it's just this is the script. Stick to it. If you question it, which again is what you guys were supposed to be doing. If you question it, though, you're 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 labeled all sorts of nasty stuff. And that's that there. Look, there are people who go so hard to the hoop on conspiracy, this conspiracy, that. And I'm not talking about like what we generally talk about here, because this gets labeled. Oh, you guys are talking about all sorts of conspiracy stuff. No, no, no. We're literally asking, can we have a discussion about this? This seems a little off. This over here is setting my alarm bells off. Can we talk about why? And, and we're not allowed to, that's that's all I want out of not just our show and our community here, all I want out of our damn country is the ability to get along with people again and, and to have conversations where you bring stuff up. At the end of the conversation, you still might do this and be on opposite ends of the spectrum on it, whether it's on the border or abortion or how COVID was hit. You still might not land where you want to land, but you're not even allowed to get to that point. And, and and that part, <clears throat> we talk about it here a lot. I know you folks in the audience know and understand that, but I, I just don't. I don't get how we've let it be at this point where the government has allowed because we've let them as a country, not us, but as a country, we've let them take away freedoms. Of course, they promise they'll give them back. We've let them tell us, no, no, no. There's one version to this story. There's not multiple truths. There's not questions that need to be addressed or discussed. It's just this. This is it. Take it or leave it. If you don't like it, eventually we're going to put your ass in a camp or something because it's getting to that point where it's just crazy. And that's I, – I don't understand how the, the part who is quiet 
people use the term asleep, quiet, whatever you want in this country. The people who just want to go along to get along, some of which see some issues but don't want to do anything. I don't see how you can do that any longer. How can you be in that camp after you've seen COVID, after you see all the threats of war, after you see the the real version of who our government not only was, because it was it was that way before too, but certainly is now, how you can see it and be like, yeah, but I'm just going to hope for the best, or I'm just going to fall in line, even though it's not what my, my heart tells me is the right thing. That's the biggest problem. Our biggest problem is us it is it is us we've 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 got evil people who do all these things but uh, but us not standing up to it is is still in my view the the biggest issue because this this wouldn't have gotten this far and and a lot of us fall in this camp too where we used to just believe like oh i the government's got our best interest republicans are a real party they're not part of the system they're pushing back we there's a long long list of, of names and periods of history where we went along with that could be the Iraq war, could be fill in the blank. We could talk about that for hours. Bottom line is it is it falls on our shoulders. We we've we have let us get to this point. Okay. Let's let's break it up. Let's let's do question of the day. Which is this. Totally, totally off topic, totally different than anything we've just talked about. If you could drive it, you might be driving it now, by the way, but if you could drive any car, what would it be? What is your dream car that you're going to drive and it's just going to last? Well, maybe it doesn't last. Maybe it's just the one you want now. Give us an answer, though. If you could drive any car, what would it be? I'll tell you off the bat, I'm not a huge car guy, but not that I don't know about them and like, I'm mildly intrigued. I'm just not. Hard, I don't define my life on whether I have X, Y, or Z car, which I'm not saying all of you do either. But some people are, like, super into it, and you're going to love this question. So the question is, again, if you could drive any car, what would it be? Tom, what are you going with? I'm going to go with a 1978 Mercury Grand Marquis. That was a car that I owned when I left Naples, Florida, back in the day to set out on a career of television. And... I ended up selling that car or actually bartering that car for two cases of beer. And that thing served me well. It was gigantic. It, uh, when you turned on the lights, it had the vacuum covers over the, uh, over the headlights, which was really cool. It, it was spacious. It, it, it was like, you know, a, a, like a, a little mini condo inside you know like an efficiency and yeah. i actually did live in it for a period of time and i lived totally fine in it there was plenty of room all right i like it i like your answer and i like your justification as to your answer I, no, your i'm stuck between two you, just, you can mention them both yeah the, the, the years are the same 1960 either an el camino or the chevy truck I think it's like the Apache or something like that because they had different names for them. But those two, I just love the, the the frames on them, the lines on them. And then what's great about the El Camino is you could get the SS kits and you could pop off the bumper and you could put like the Camaro like front if you wanted to. You know, like you could change it up a little bit. I just love the lines from the 50s that made it into the early 60 models of those cars. And every time I'm watching like a Barrett-Jackson Auto Show, I'm like, oh, I, want, I just want to drive around. On one. I, to me, I'm going to go with the El Camino. Just a little cruiser two-seater okay. i like it I, yeah. I like that we got an el camino worked in here was it the el camino though that had the issues with the gas in the um um 
kind of like near the back fender. I can't remember. Was it that one, Tom, or was the it? Pin, the Pinto had issues. The, pin, it was yeah. the Pinto. It was the Pinto. Yeah. What was cool about the El Camino, it's the truck ch- chassis, like, you know, like the body, but on a sedan. So it yeah, was lower it, and, right. you know, it, was, it wasn't like a huge truck. I don't know. I, yeah, just, I remember the look yeah. of it. I just remember one of them. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was the Pinto that had those fuel safety issues. But there's in the, the 1960s, there's not that many around because it was only like, I don't know, 15,000 made or 14,000 made or something like that. So even today, if you could find one that's in good condition, it's very rare because they're either been melted down or someone owns them. Like, it's it, they're not just out there to get. So that that's a goal of mine one day is to have that year of an El Camino. Okay. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but that's that's my goal. Chaos says a Ford three fifty with diesel and dualies. Okay, I like it. Nice, Seventy yeah. purple Cuda. I want my Outback back. Haven't had it since I ran got ran over by a deer in December. Oh, sorry, Barb. That's no fun. Yeah, no. <laughs> they will destroy a vehicle. Twin turbo seven point three F three fifty says whiskey horn. Uh, the 64 Chevelle. Chevelle. That's a great car, too. I like yeah. That. Subaru, it's a tank, says Foster. Okay. People love their Subarus. Yeah. They love their Subarus. Porsche Cayenne. Yeah, I, I, Go, Tom. I was going to say, I, I really do like the old Trans Am, you know, from smoking the Bandit, but yeah. the engine in it was terrible. I did drive a 78 Trans Am that a guy that I had met in Slidell, Louisiana, owns. And he dropped the Corvette engine in it. That thing was fun to drive. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Carolyn says, Porsche Cayenne, I'm driving it now. Good for you. Jaguar F-Pace, says Andy. My nine, my M998 Humvee, says. My doomsday vehicle. Yeah. yeah. Yep, says driver. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm torn. So, again, I'm not like. I'm not like a muscle car guy. I'm not like a uh, sports car like guy. an exotic car guy. That's just a yeah. what? An exotic car. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. not my thing. I, I appreciate them. I yeah. think they're beautiful. I understand the allure. Not my thing. Like if modern day cars, like I'm happy with a Tahoe or a Silverado or something like that. But I think I'm, I'm torn between two. Like I would probably say just it, it, it would have to be redone. I don't want to redo it. I want someone else to do that shit for me. But, like, a 76, like, mid-late 70s Silverado, like, mm. that that look, just kind of the old-school old school truck look. But I also would say, I, I tell you what, I like buying American, no doubt, but the Toyota Hilux overseas, those things are, like, indestructible. <laughs> like, you can throw it off a building and be like, is it okay? It's fine. It's fine. Let's go get lunch. It'll be all right. So, and you can't really import them. Like, there's of course workarounds for everything. That could be like a stripped down one, like a like a a basic, like some of the basic ones we drive over there. Um, but I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay mid late seventies Silverado. There's a guy in town here. He who got a Japanese like two person like truck from Japan. It's a Honda. Okay, and it re- it retails for like a thousand bucks, but to get it over here costs so much to get it over because you got to import it and everything. And but it's I've seen him drive around a few times, and I'm like, this guy knows what he's doing because like it's got great gas miles, but it's this small little truck with a bed on the back. But I'm like, he he he's gonna be fine. The Honda's gonna run forever. Like yeah. he's <laughs> yes. Just go reach out to Clint Eastwood. He has a sweet El Camino. Yes. 
Now, there's there's a few. There's actually I've done some research. There's a few like cool collections here in Jacksonville that are you can go and buy a ticket to go and walk around and stuff, and they have some really great showcases of cars, uh, muscle, exotic. It's it's really cool. I want to go and just. I know my girls probably wouldn't be, but my dad would love it. Like take him and just right. go. And yeah, uh, go get lunch. Go go do that. Yeah. All right, you can keep sending your answers in, folks. We've got some great ones that have come through. Hit that like button if you have not already, and we'll continue on with the show. Barb, you asked earlier if there was good news. I mean, not not necessarily, uh, but we had a fun car conversation. So, so well, the good news is this. If you haven't picked up on it already, we do have a first quarter contest here. You can just go if you drop that link in the, the chat. Yep. Um, but we've got the first quarter contest, which ends March 31st. So if you haven't already done it, you still can do it. All you got to do is is follow the link that he's going to put in the chat. Winner is going to be drawn on the 31st. They're going to to win a, 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 a huge gift certificate or gift card to a cruise line where you can go take a loved one, take your friend, whoever you want to take. Just make it appropriate on a cruise we're going to let you – the reason we're doing it this way is so you can pick the date and time. We didn't want to pick a set one because that's just tricky for people. So you get to do it that way. You have to sign up for the newsletter, and then there's a bunch of other things you can do to get entries on there. It'll walk you through all of them. You know, Subscribe to the podcast on like iTunes if you haven't, for example, or go. You know, most of you are subscribed here on Rumble or wherever you're watching, obviously, but you do it on other places. There's lots of ways that you can get entries, and you can get extra entries just for sharing it too. So, so go do that. Somebody's going to have a fun spring, summer, whatever the case might be, whenever you go on to do it. So share the love. Hope for the best. Hopefully you're that winner because it would be – I know I'd love to win it. I'm yeah. giving the damn thing away. I just <laughs> kind of want to just keep it myself. I just love it when you announced it. You you called me and you were like, um, you can't win this. Like, dang it. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Can't be internal. No, exactly. No, I hope, I hope someone here that we know and, and has been here for a long time wins it because it would just be great to see them get blessed and have fun it would so. be it would be awesome love to see it and then you got to send some pictures in yeah okay so biden has declined a uh i'm, so, I'm sure you guys are all going to be really disappointed about this but the so-called president joe biden has declined to do a super bowl interview tom what's your take on this <laughs> he he can't it was only for three minutes. That's all it was going to be. It was going to be a couple of questions and then your Super Bowl pick. If he can't pull it together to be able to do something as easy as that, that is just a softball interview, he's toast. I, I Everybody keeps kidding themselves that he's actually in charge of something. He's not even in charge of his own bowels or his bladder. There is no way that he will be able to go on to 2028. And the question that I have now is, if you're CBS, do you substitute him with Trump or do you stick to the script and say, oh, you know what, since Joe's not doing it, we're just going to move on? Or does Trump do an interview with somebody from CNN or an unfriendly uh, venue uh, to, to step up? Well, I don't think that CBS brings in Trump for the Super Bowl. That's definitely not on script. You probably see Kamala first. I mean, I know you're you're mostly teasing. I mean, it's this this is this is akin to first of all, it's been done at the Super Bowl before, but it's akin to like the the New Year's Eve you know check in with with the the first lady and Joe Biden as they're doing their New Year's Rockin' Eve kind of a thing, which he always botches, and maybe that's part of the reason they're doing this one here. So. 
you know, he's not going to sit there and talk about how he loves ice cream and that they're treating me. A lot of of Italian food. A lot of Italian food. Golly. I mean, you know, we all know why they're not doing it. But it is. It's a really hard thing to justify and kind of describe to the masses. To me, I think they just move on and pretend this never happened. It wasn't offered up and, 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 you know, slot in some new advertisers there. I don't, don't, because I don't know what you replace it with. But it is really damning. You can't figure out. You know the date and time. It's not an ad hoc thing. You can have your drugs set up the right way, which I think is becoming increasingly difficult for them to get that balance, do things at the right time. But you can't even pull that off. You, you could even pre-record it. Absolutely. <laughs> do, do, do 12 <laughs> takes. Do a dozen takes. Use the best one. Pretend it's live. It's with CBS, who's very friendly, obviously, to this administration because they're bought and paid for by that party. Uh, I, no, no one cares that much, and I don't either because I don't want to, to see that anyways that night. But at the same time, I do care because he is the so-called leader of this country. I know he's not. I know that he's not actually making decisions or running anything. But it's really damning for our country. It, it's yes, it's really damning, and they don't want it. They the the White House it, Democrats don't want to take the risk because lover or hater Taylor Swift is going to be there, and there are going to be millions upon millions of eyeballs on the Super Bowl just because of her. And if I'm in the position where you know I'm a member of the Communist Party. I don't want him out there. I want him to hide. And that's what they're doing because the the risk re- reward for them just isn't there. Yeah. Well, it's like Van Jones said on CNN last week. I think we showed that clip last week. They need to hide him this year. If they have any chance whatsoever, They and obviously they have a chance regardless because they, they break rules, they do whatever they want. But in a traditional sense – in terms of keeping the optics up so the media can can continue to spew their lies. They need to hide him. So they can't be like, well, you said this, but I'm looking at or listening to him here, and that's not good. So they'll have to do something. We'll see. But what's interesting is is, is this year ramps up. So we're into 2024 now, already a freaking month in, which blows my mind. It's crazy how fast things go. And we're that much closer to the 2024 election. And they're trying to figure out what they're going to do on the Democrat side of the House. Do they keep him in and just kick the American people in the balls yet again by saying, we hate you this much that we're going to keep this guy here who doesn't even know where he is, but we're going to do it anyways. Do they do they flip him out? Whatever. But they're getting a lot of, of pushback. Sure, they have Taylor Swift, who's going to um, no doubt convince people to, to, to vote for Joe Biden. But there's a lot of people getting frustrated, not only with Biden and this administration, but they're getting frustrated with local state and local officials throughout the country as it pertains to this immigration issue. And you had the, he's still a vile person in my view, just not a, a, a guy that you want to hang out with. But you had Michael Rappaport, who, who came out and slammed New York City Mayor Eric Adams over everything that continues to happen with the immigration stuff. He went on a little tirade here, and then at the end, which he's done before, talks about how voting for Trump, someone, he would make these same anger-filled videos about Trump all the time when Trump was in office and then during the last election – now he's talking about his own mayor and how voting for Trump could be on the table because of how bad these policies are. It's a little coarse, but take a listen. This is why when I say voting for pig Donald Trump is on the table, voting for pig Donald Trump is on the table. The other day in New York City, six illegal aliens 
jumped a New York City cop, NYPD's finest. They jumped a New York City cop in Times Square and were arrested and released without bail. I know it's a city thing. I know it's a state thing. I know all that. I know all that. I know all that. Okay? Stay with me. Released without bail. Came out of the courtroom on some Tupac raising the middle finger with the Detroit Red Wings jersey. Let me tell you something. What the f*** is the world coming to? If you could be from another country, beat up a cop in New York City and walk out with no f bail, what the f*** is the world coming to? What the f*** is the world coming to? I know Mayor Adams, you're from Brownsville, Brooklyn. I know this Like, What the f*** have I gotten myself into? Stay with me. On the same day that that happens, cadaver Joe Biden issues an executive order about four quote-unquote settlers in Judea, Samaria, a.k.a. the West Bank, some troublemakers, three of the four have already been arrested. You issue an executive order about four troublemaking who've already been arrested in Judea, Samaria, while there's a war going on, while there's 100-plus hostages still being held in Gaza. You're talking about that, but you got nothing to say about beating up cops in New York City, the greatest city on earth. Maybe it's not. Maybe my city is not the greatest city on earth anymore. If you could beat up cops, if you could beat up cops in the quote-unquote greatest city in the world and be released without bail. Are we the greatest city on earth? Cadaver Joe Biden, we see you. We see you. Don't worry about those in Israel. BB got them. Israel will take care of them. Worry about cops getting beat up in Times Square and walking out uh, uh, with no bail like the Tupac Shakur. Worry about that This is why voting for pig Donald Trump is still on the table. I mean, I, huh? <laughs> I don't like the guy. Not a fan of him. But but I love that he... Look, bro, here's the deal. You you don't like Trump. You've never liked Trump. I get that. I, I understand why certain people don't like Trump. And that's fine. It's America. You can like and, and dislike whoever you want. But what's so ridiculous over the years is you've had people like him who are super outspoken. And, and they'll slam Trump over his tweets or his this, that, and the other. And they, they almost never talk about policy, by the way. It's just always just stuff that means nothing. But everything he talked about, there was common sense. Sticking up for our cops who stick up for us and keep our communities safe. Focusing on American issues, not stuff overseas. All of that. And you and you hear him and you see this flip happening. You, you see him and, and listen to him calling Joe Cadaver Joe. There's people who, who are able to see this. And I, I, every time I hear clips like that, I'm like, bro. This is what we've been saying. You come after us like we're these vile people on the other side of the aisle. Literally, we share all the sentiments that you just did on, in, in those issues. Those are the things that make us mad. I don't care who the leader is or isn't. I care about doing right or wrong. And that's, that's where most of us are over here. Yes, we also like Trump. But it's, it's about keeping our country and our communities on track and safe. So it's, it's all that to say. It's fascinating to see this flip. Joe, Joe had the luxury in a hostile, super divided country, which is somehow more hostile and more divided now. He had the luxury, though, 
of, of all he had to do after he was propped up and installed was just not be Trump. And he has failed so miserably on every front in terms of the policies that that administration and regime has put forward, in terms of him being completely unfit to serve anywhere. I mean, he's not fit to serve at a Burger King, let alone as the so-called sitting president of the United States. But it's, it's backfiring on because you're getting people who before would stick to the script, stick to the narrative and say whatever their handlers in the media and the entertainment industry told them to say. And now they're, they're, they're sitting back and being like, wait a tick. All of this is BS. And they're seeing it firsthand with the type of issues that they're facing in New York City and in big Democrat cities throughout the country. And I, again, I, I'm not a fan of him, but I think it's refreshing to see people kind of have that aha moment because it's going to be necessary. It's going to be necessary to get people like that influencing who I don't know who follows Michael Rappaport. A lot of people do, but it's going to be important to get those people thinking too, like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe we have gotten totally dicked over this entire administration. I, the only time that I've ever been a fan of Michael Rappaport was in the movie True Romance, where he plays the part of Christian Slater's friend, Dick Ritchie, who lives in L.A., who's an aspiring actor. That's the only film that I've seen that I liked him in. I think he was overrated in Zebrahead. I didn't like that movie. But it also I have an issue with Michael Rappaport talking about New York being the best city in the world. New York is the most overrated city in the world. I've been there multiple times. It's a piece of shit place. And for P especially New Yorkers, we're like, oh, we got the bagels. We got the pizza, the coffee. Hey, how you doing? You know, a lot of them are funny and I get a kick out of them. But a lot of them just have this attitude of somehow being better because they're able to figure out a way to live and afford an apartment and you know it, it you know work and think that somehow that the you know they're street smart and hey you know hey how you doing yeah oh yeah and then they move to florida and like yeah you want back in new york this is the way we used to do it and you know if you you know you can't get any uh good italian food around here you know it's just please i'm sick of all that i just i i despise new york I don't despise necessarily all New Yorkers. Like I said, there's some good ones there, but as far as the city goes, it's overrated. There's plenty of cities around the world that I've been to that are are, are by far in different leagues. New York, New York doesn't even make my top 100 cities in the entire world. Yeah. So well, it's not even the top <laughs> several in the, in America. Look, it's got good energy, nightlife, good restaurants and food. But guess what? Other places do now too without people vomiting and taking a dump on the, the street next to you as then a legal immigrant comes and beats the shit out of you. Like it's, it's Yeah, but it's, you're going to get good food anywhere. You could go yeah. to Las Vegas and have a better experience. They talk about New York as a place that never sleeps. Bullshit. You know, last calls at 1 a.m. Vegas is actually the place that never sleeps. So take a back seat, New York. Yeah. But what getting to what Michael Rappaport, you know, his overall you know, thought, Michael Rappaport, like a lot of other people on the left who the the entire time Trump was in office, were following their script. Their script was, you got to hate Trump, you got to hate Trump, because if you want to advance in whatever field that you're in, you got to be a part of this cabal to take down Trump, and he was, yeah. until October 7th. 
and then Michael Rappaport's whole attitude and his whole world changed because he realized that the left, the Democrats, the hard left Democrats have an anti-Semitism problem. And he thought he was a part of that team. And then October 7th, he realized that he is not a part of that team. Right. They can't stand him. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. And Democrats will lure you in if you're a supposed protected class, but they hate you. They will cast you aside. And we saw what happened with the Democrats' reaction to October 7th. There was like, what, 12 hours where Democrats, you know, felt sorry for the people that were killed, you know, when what was going on. And then after that, it was like, she's fired now. She's fired now. We can't have this anymore. Oh, my goodness. You look what the look what the Israelis are doing, blah, blah, blah. And so people like Fetterman and Michael Rappaport, I think that gave him a moment of pause going the club that I thought I had joined for protection actually hates my guts. And they're correct. No, they absolutely are. Well, it's not just Rappaport. There's been others speaking up, and we're not going to even cover all of them today. There's, we've covered some others on previous episodes of the show. I'm sure we'll cover others moving forward. But you had 50 Cent, Curtis Jackson. who We all know him as 50 Cent, but rapper, actor, light. <laughs> He's been in movies. Um, <laughs> he threw out one of the worst pitches ever for a first pitch it was it made it made obama's first pitch made obama look like nolan ryan it, it was that bad but i'm sorry <laughs> no <laughs> that is well who um gosh there were, obviously fauci's was bad there was someone else recently who was just atrocious and it, we're getting off point 50 cent he, he, he came out and criticized uh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams as well for giving illegal immigrants money on preloaded debit cards, saying, quote, maybe Trump is the answer. So you've got these people who are like Rappaport, like others, saying, oh, golly, I wish I could take back some of those things I said because maybe I still am not a fan of Trump. Maybe, maybe, they, maybe some of them are becoming, but they're at least for sure realizing that these other policies and the, the other side that they thought, like you were saying with Betterman and, and Rappaport, they thought we were on this other team and we thought we were part of the club and, and they realized that actually we're not because that, that list is a lot smaller than, than most people think. And also just their policies, how they loathe so many people all over all around the planet. And then you see these policies put into place and look 50 cent, does it affect him? No, but he can look at it in a common sense way and say, hold on, we're spending our money to give gift cards and travel and lodging and all of this stuff to these people who are not even supposed to be here, that they're here illegally and we're screwing all these other people over. And a lot of people are waking up to that and they're paying more attention. And I think it's good. Another such person was Killer Mike, who I'll be honest, had no idea who he was before this week, but you had Killer Mike who backed Trump several days ago, like the two folks we just discussed, went on to the to the Grammys last night. Again, I didn't watch the Grammys because I have a life and I just am not particularly interested. I was telling Tom, Tom and I were texting. Tom was asking, are you going to watch them? Like, I, bro, I don't know any of these people. First of all, I know it's just woke nonsense. But my wife and I tried it years and years ago. And I, I don't know who it is. It just shows... Uh, you get older, you get set in your ways. You listen to what you listen to, and and that's I don't, unless it's country, I don't I don't know who they are. So, anyways, 
Killer Mike supports Trump several days ago, goes to the Grammys, wins three awards, by the way, and then is arrested and ushered out of the arena. Here was that scene. See that one guy on the right side that was just like, "Hey, Killer Mike." <laughs> hey, sorry, you're getting arrested right now. Look, Total coincidence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Killer Mike, we got to talk to you, bro. Look, you went off script. Congrats on the Grammys, by the way. You got those because you were on script before. Now you've gone off script and you've supported Orange Man Bat, enemy number one in in entertainment. Enemy number one in a lot of industries. And now you've got to pay the piper. We're ready to detain you for 24 yeah. hours. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't know what Killer Mike does on his, his on his own time. A lot of people out in that industry don't make the best of decisions. So I'm not going to sit here and say that he's an upstanding citizen, an individual. I'm not going to say that he's not either because I don't know him. But I will tell you, like Tom just said, the timing sure doesn't look good. <laughs> you you just used your big ass platform to endorse someone that our whole entertainment industry is is dead set on making sure never gets back in, and then you're arrested not not at home or anything like that. But we're gonna make a spectacle of it, and we're gonna do it at the Grammys, the biggest night for these people. I'm but, sure he didn't see that night going down that way. Apparently, at a physical altercation. With someone. With a security guard, supposedly. Yeah. Oh, okay, but still, at, at the Grammys? Yeah. Yeah. Still. It, it Optics matter. Perception is reality in this day and age. So good luck trying to convince half the country that there wasn't something else to this. Maybe there wasn't, and the law enforcement officers were just there like, hey, we're just doing what we told. This dude allegedly assaulted someone. We're going to do what our job and our superiors tell us to do. But the country, and, and, that, and, and this is the big problem with our country right now. Yeah. So, I, so I saw Andy say I watched a colonoscopy and I got distracted. So, so apparently, apparently, maybe there was an altercation at the Grammys, but this was another altercation that happened before and that we were just coming to get him. Do it somewhere else. Yeah. Do it privately. Do it. Uh, it's. Because this is the kind of thing, look, we've got so many, like, standoffs happening. Some of them emotional, verbal, some of them physical, looking at you, Texas, and federal government. You know, we've got all of these opportunities where it doesn't take much to catapult things into this next level. And I'm not saying the arrest of Big Killer Mike, whatever his name is, is going to be the thing. It's not. It uh, Didn't know who he was until yeah. this weekend. But these types of, of, of deals where you have the perceived reality and actual reality, which sometimes are the same, sometimes they're not. When you're in this situation like we are as a country, you've got to try and avoid that. So if it was an event that happened before and you know you're going to do it, you know he's leaving. He's not sleeping at the arena. <laughs> Pick a better time where it's not going to be filmed by everyone. Don't make a spectacle of it because what's going to happen is you're going to have some people be like, justice. Other people be like, that's because he supported Trump. 
and you're never going to get to the bottom of it. And what's going to happen is in the aftermath, you're just going to have more people hating each other. You're going to have more division, and it's just it's just not helpful. No, and I guarantee, pretty much guarantee you the charges charges will be dropped. Um, getting back to what you said about Eric Adams and the uh, prepaid uh, credit cards for the illegals. Yeah. I want everybody to put on their tinfoil hats for a moment because I've got something for you, and here it goes. So now you mean to tell me to and Eric Adams says what he wants to do by you know starting this program is to stimulate the economy of New York by spending money in bodegas and shops and this and that with these prepaid cards. Okay, that sounds good in theory, but you now all of a sudden you have a bunch of people who are walking around who don't speak any English, and if they do, it might be a little spotty or else they have to use Google Translate. You've got these gangs who are running around, the, these criminal gangs that have been well-documented that are coming from Venezuela and other countries, El Salvador, uh, who are exploiting other illegal immigrants. And then you also have just your run-of-the-mill criminals in New York. So once they all start figuring out that they have all these folks, you know, Guatemalans, you know, uh, Mexicans, Mauritanians, whoever, whoever it may be, walking by themselves, Eric Adams just turned them all into ATM machines. So you're going to see a rise in muggings, you're going to see a rise in armed robberies, and you're going to see a rise in murder. And so this is where the conspiracy goes to the next level. The next level is based on security because we can't have, you know, Jesus Rodriguez, you know, just Jesus died at the, the you know, hands of a criminal who was taking his, you know, bank card away. And Jesus was trying to make a living for his family. And now the, the kids are without a father and a wife is without her husband. We've got to do something. And that something is to make sure everybody's safe. We're still going to give them money, but it's going to be a digital currency for their safety. And it'll be right on your phone. So now when you go into the bodegas, you could just use your phone as a payment and not the card. And it's all based on safety. And that will usher in the CBDC for everybody else. That's, I mean, that's, <clears throat> I see it. I see it. I'm not disputing it whatsoever. I think a combination of something like that, as well as everything that's happening with BRICS that we frequently talk about, don't worry that the dollar's getting devalued, but here's how we fix that. It's going to be this, it's going to be more convenient for you, and it'll it'll take away your concerns about the devalue of the, the devaluing of the dollar that's occurring, all of that. <clears throat> no, the I CBDC will be tested out with the illegals is what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, and that's... It worked for them, it'll work for everyone else. Right. Exactly. Look how easy it is. You know, we saw poor Jesus and poor Mbike, you know, get killed and their families, you know, don't have a father, don't have, you know, a husband. But now it's to ensure your security. Which is... And it's worked for them. Look, yeah. look how well it's working for the 20 million illegal aliens that we have in the country. Yeah. No, I... I, I can see it. I can see it. I very specific idea that you're presenting here, but I but I but I can totally see it because they see them as us. They're trying to make them us in terms of 
validating their their existence here, giving them amnesty, helping you know allowing them to vote, allowing them to be law enforcement officers in some cases for Pete's sake. So they 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 absolutely will push that, and I do think you're absolutely right. I mean, this is this is just begging for people to they they just mugged police officers last week this is begging for people to mug them it's putting a target on you there's a reason you don't tell people when you're going out of town and and or or, or where you store something s- special or private to you and you don't tell people you, you just don't right because it opens up an opportunity and that will be a a legitimate concern too for them i don't really care about them because you're here illegally so if you're not here illegally or if you're here legally and you were born here but you don't like our country i literally don't care if you live or die but <clears throat> it's it is going to be a problem for them and it could be something because a problem for someone else is a tool for the government so it it, it could totally be used that way for sure <laughs> tom they have hyphenated last names Jesus Rodriguez Johnson. Uh, I love it. I love the comments, folks. We're going to get out of here for the night. We appreciate you spending some time with us. As always, we've already got a couple stories that we're going to we're going to bleed into tomorrow. I know that there'll be no shortage of it. Um, One thing, real quick. Yeah. Real quick, I just got done reading the book Amateur Hour about the Kamala about Kamala Harris by Charlie Spearing. I highly recommend it for everybody. It gives you an insight to just the absolute catastrophe she is personally and professionally and why she is so toxic. Amateur Hour by who? Charlie Spearing. Okay. Spearing, E-A-R-I-N-G? S-P-I before E-I-E P-R-I-N-G, S-P, hang They'll on. figure it out. I put, I put the name in there. They can look it up. S-P-I-E-R-I-N-G. You got it right. That's what I That's what I put in the chat. All right. Check it out. The Amateur Hour. Charlie Spearing, yeah, if you want to read about Kamal Harris. Ugh. Tom's Book Club. Tom's Book Club. <laughs> More Tom's Book Club nuggets coming your way. Folks, do hit that like button on the way out if you have not already. Thanks again for being here. Make sure you're subscribed as well. We will look forward to seeing you tomorrow, Tuesday. Be safe, be smart, be free.